0: Welcome, everyone. Uh, My name is Michael Cullen, and this is DS30. Uh, Today I'm going to be speaking with Rohan Singh Rajput, who is a senior data scientist at Headspace, and who is going to talk to us a little bit about working with suggestion models or recommender systems. Let's jump right into it. Okay. welcome, Rohan. Thanks so much for joining today.
1: Yeah, thank you, Michael. It's my pleasure.
0: So I'd like to start off before we get into, you know, the main topic for today, just a little bit of background on you. So kind of where you're where you're coming from, how you've ended up, you know, in your particular role and some of the work that you do right now.
1: Sure, so yeah, um, my name is Rohan and uh, Rohan Rajput. Uh, I'm currently working as a senior data scientist at Headspace and a uh, little bit about Headspace. Headspace is a, like an in-app uh, online meditation service. Uh, which provide a variety of content related to like, you know, uh, vegetation, mental health and different sector. And uh, uh, so uh, I I started my journey as a data scientist from my like, you know, from my graduate school. So basically, like uh, during my second, third semester, I got a chance to, you know, get an online course on machine learning from Andrew Yang. And uh, after that, I took like various other like, you know, online courses and like uh, some of the other department courses to uh, learn more about like machine learning and data science. Uh, after that, I got a chance to work uh, in a startup as a software engineer in the machine learning engineering team. So uh, I got uh, you know, a chance to develop lots of application uh, in healthcare domain. Related to machine learning, and after that, like uh, I got a chance to work with Ticketmaster as a data scientist to position. So basically, my most of the uh, journey being uh, like data scientist, I worked a lot on recommendation system, and uh, we can also call them suggestion models because like they suggest you what the content you should be interested in. Uh, so over the time, like uh, I. I I got a chance to work on like you know uh, right from initially I I started to working on lots of you know POCs to develop on machine learning system, and then I got a chance to work on like you know production level system to design uh, these uh, suggestion models for uh, you know uh, for in production apps. So currently I am working with a few other data scientists to uh, create a recommendation system for at headspace and uh, yeah that's uh, I that's about me.
0: All right, great, thanks so much, Rohan. And um, you know, so I I think it'll be really really great to get into you know this discussion of suggestion models. And um, you know, you know that you've had experience on the topic in a few different um, you know in a few different roles you've had. Um, could you talk a little bit maybe about with with Ticketmaster, were you sort of stepping into an existing suggestion model with Headspace? Maybe it sounds like you were kind of on the also kind of on the design side of that too. Maybe like it was a a newer project, or kind of what did that look like? Maybe how did those experiences compare?
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, when I I started with Ticketmaster, they like uh, the the company is like you know uh, existed for a very long time. And they had like pretty stable system at that time. Uh, And uh, they were using like, you know, a recommendation system in their like, you know, ongoing uh, projects. So uh, basically uh, my job was like to, I'm coming from like a lot of state of the art, like deep learning kind of, uh, you know, background where I was using lots of, you know, uh, some advanced machine learning uh, stuff to uh, improve the recommendation system qualities. And there was my job to like uh, work on a like, you know, as a researcher to like, you know, research lots of, you know, uh, lots of, you know, state of the art machine learning system uh, and how we can implement that thing to improve the, you know, already existing model. So the requirement there was like, you know, to uh, incorporate this new techniques like natural language processing, or uh, you can say uh, deep learning in general to, uh I gather lots of like you know uh, user item interaction pattern from the data and uh, using that uh, knowledge which we gather from that that data apply to that uh, already existing uh, production model. So uh, it's it's more of a like uh, you know in that time, I was like more of a like you know kind of exploring phase where like I was exploring lots of other like you know existing techniques. And uh, I was trying to improve that, like, you know, how we can improve that, like, you know, model with more information about latent uh, uh, knowledge we can extract from the in-house data, the proprietary data. And also, can we also, uh, you know, incorporate lots of, you know, open source or like, you know, outside world data, which is available to uh, provide a better recommendation to our user. So. uh, basically, uh, I, I I had to like uh, take care about lots of things. Like uh, there is always challenges whenever we develop something in academia. We we do not think about the scale of the model, like how how big it will go, uh, what it will impact to other system. Because if you have your model has like lots of latency, uh, then it can provide you know it it can be a blocker for other services also. There are also you have to justify the business uh, use cases that like why you need such much compl- complicated model because it requires lots of investment like uh so when you talk about deep learning deep learning doesn't come free like it requires like you know lots of gpus uh there is a dedicated cloud infrastructure you have to set up uh there is a like uh, lots of complexities comes as a part of interpretability that you cannot explain why some of the decision you are taking. So those are the things I have to really take care when I was designing, you know, system for uh, Ticketmaster. And there is a like, you know, when there is an already existing system in place, then you have to do lots of, you know, cost analysis also that whatever you are developing should be you know uh, should be profitable uh, and like it it should satisfy all the business metrics which you are targeting for so you have to not only optimize like all the mathematical equation you read uh, in on the in the papers but you have to like optimize the business metrics also along with that so that experience helped me a lot to you know understand that how to you know how to start Simple. uh, How to start with the simple model, and how we can increase the complexity. How can we can take care about scalability of the model? How can we take care about the you know different SLA requirements, and how can we like you know uh, also look into that like a business justification that like uh, with investing that much in the infrastructure, how can we justify the business needs of that particular model?
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. you know that's a great point. It's a it's a conversation I I always like to get into about the um. The very real cost of, of doing deep learning. I mean, the like you said, like the architecture involved, the latency, the time and, and money involved in training the models, um, and and always sticking with that. You know, how can we start simple and how can we iterate? Um, it, it's huge. Um, so I'd like to you know maybe from there talk a little bit about you know let us say you know someone is. We're not Ticketmaster, right? Maybe we're a. Or an organization or a company that is maybe looking to start building a suggestion model, um, you know, these are like like you said, very like large scale projects, right? Um, so my question is, for a team that is new to a problem like this, um, you know, where can they start looking, or like what can they sort of expect in like their you know the beginning phase of developing something like this? Or if you have experience maybe with Headspace and Designing from a little bit earlier on, you know, what did you find useful when you were starting out, uh, and you know, maybe designing things a little bit more?
1: Sure, sure. Uh, uh, yeah, that that's a great question, and uh, uh, it's it's really important that like uh, we we sometimes we do not have like you know bandwidth to fail a lot, right? You sometimes, you know, we have like lots of investment going on and as a company it does not have like that much kind of, you know, investment for, you know, experimentation. Then we have to be very careful about our plan that how should we start our, you know, uh, design these complicated model and how we can like, you know, uh, justify their need uh, to our stakeholders. So uh, the most important thing is like uh, we have to uh, first, categorize three different problems. Our first problem is like, you know, always like uh, to understand that where we can apply deep learning and are we ready for it or not? Uh, there could be a case that we do not have like, you know, that huge amount of data available for deep learning to train and understand all the complex, uh, you know, uh, latent feature from user item interaction. Uh, there could be some problems are there where we do not have like a necessary infrastructure uh, to collect the data uh, uh, for like you know our deep learning model uh there is a huge problem in the industry right now currently that like when we when we created these you know data infrastructure they were not created for machine learning uh, Models—they were created for like some different purpose, for maybe for data analysis, for maybe for transaction purpose, maybe for some kind of you know infrastructure need. But uh, we have to be very careful that look into like what data available we have, and uh, can we apply a correct technique to that particular data? Uh, we can always start with a small solution. Basically, even if we start with like you know metric factorization, that would be really good if we start with like, you know, you have just like a very low level of user interaction. And uh, then you have to like uh, think that like, you know, how we can, you know, phase out experiments. Uh, You know, the the, the big problem we see that most of the time whenever we optimize this F1 scores or like this precision recall AUC and all, they do not reflect the like, you know, what the uh, real time performance of the uh, model to our data, so we should have like some kind of you know, uh, quick uh, prototyping framework where like uh, we can like you know start with a very simple model, and we can put a like you know a very simple baseline model that okay currently we have like you know we are generating revenue with like this kind of uh, system. So suppose you have written a, some kind of rule-based approach where you are just suggesting uh, some of the content to your user based on some expert opinion. And we are also called it like, you know, hippos, like highest paid person opinion. So uh, uh, based on those behavior scientists or like those subject matter experts, we have like some kind of baseline that this is the baseline we have currently. And this is the something which is working good. Now, how can we start with uh, like uh, with our model and uh, try to at least reach to that particular baseline or try to beat that particular baseline with the simplest model we have? And over the time we can like, you know, iterate uh, with that simple model and increase the complexity. Now the complexity usually comes when we include so many lots of features because uh, there are like lots of user features available. uh, You, uh, and we want to like capture more over the time. Like currently lots of your user are just, you know enrolled with the email, but like later you want to like you know, lots of their like, you know, details over the time, lots of their uh, you know, usage pattern and also like from your content that what type of content catalog you have and maybe you're like, you know, enriching their features in the future. So you can start with a such a way that like you can, uh, you can make a room for all this feature to expand in the future. And uh, as you expand the f- expand your feature space from user size and content size, then you can come up to the model that, you know, we will increase the complexity mod of the model. If the model is not uh, you know, learning after like few iterations. So uh, it's very important to you know, uh, uh, place this kind of a rapid prototyping or experimenting uh, framework in your organization. So you can start simple and you can iterate and increase the complexity according to like you know various rules that where you are lagging, you can understand that okay, this is the this we are lagging in the data uh, uh, analysis or preparation space, or whether we are uh, lagging in, like you know, model complexity space. So that is like a much better approach than like just start with like a you know natural language like a, a a transformer or LSTM model and then throw it to the production and then it doesn't give like that appropriate result. Right,
0: right, absolutely. And the this you know way of setting a baseline and and one that is you know not necessarily a you know, we're not saying our first baseline is like a simple machine learning model, but like you said, a rule-based approach that, you know, is gonna be a reasonable assumption because it's coming from like a domain expert. Um, I'm curious to know, you know, have you found or do you see a role for, you know, bringing in that domain expertise um, into like the, you know, into the way that you're designing the actual, you know, Deep learning models, or even just the matrix factorization one, perhaps. Like, do, does that expert opinion, you know, start help? Does that help to inform maybe like what features you should look at first, or what do those conversations look like?
1: Uh, definitely, there is there, yeah, there is no doubt in that that our human brain is specially designed to do a one one of the very complex thing, which is very underappreciated. That is common sense. And our machine learning model cannot, like you know, uh, get that common sense without having like too much amount of data. So obviously, that is the, like you know, uh, very. Uh, when we have like already existing very good model, that is a human brain. Uh, why not take advantage of it? So, uh, uh, I, I, I'm I, I'm a strong believer that like when we have like these these like, you know, expert opinion, subject matter, the people who are in the field, having lots of, you know, time, uh, they, they spend lots of time uh, in that particular domain, uh, their opinion matters a lot. Uh, why it matters a lot because uh, first thing is that like, you know, take an example of Amazon, right? Sometime you order some of the books from Amazon and Amazon shows you lots of bro- uh, books uh, related like what you bought previously, mm-hmm. but, uh, those not always the book you wanted to buy because if you bought a book on like python maybe the second book you want to like you don't want like 10 more books for from python right you want like something else and uh, that's how like your Barnes and Noble uh you know uh manager comes into place and they sometimes suggest you okay you read that book last time why don't you try this one this one is like you know fairly similar to that one and you should also get you know, or you, you talk with your friend that okay, I completed this Python book. Like, what should I do? And he was say, okay, you completed Python book. Why don't you start with like you know more advanced or high performance Python or something like that, right? Because they know you where which direction you are going. They know you that like you know they they know you that how uh, your how as a human your behavior changes over the time. So their knowledge is very important because uh, some of the behavior scientists or this you know people who study psychology and all this thing they they know how how human you know behavior changes over the time and uh, we can use their knowledge in two two ways one is like a some kind of hybrid approach where uh, we have like some kind of recommendation so suppose i am recommending you five things right so there could be i can make like okay three things i will recommend from my subject matter experts and two things will come can come from my you know, machine learning model. And over the time we will see that how our this experimentation is performing. If our subject matter knowledge is not you know getting good result and we are getting lots of clicks on our machine learning model then we can gradually increase that, you know, uh, that that's weightage to machine learning model that you next time you will get like four recommendation from machine learning and one from subject matter. So that kind of, you know, uh, uh, I will say ensemble approach or I, you will say like, you know, collaborative approach or hybrid approach, you can say it works very well. And second thing, they help a lot uh, for sanity check that mm-hmm. most of the time we do not know that if we are going in the right direction or not. May- maybe sometimes like, you know, we are, you know, uh, uh, recommending something which, which we should not. To, to particular users and all. They can help us to like validate those, uh, you know, uh, suggestions or recommendations and uh, we can filter them out like uh, right from the beginning. Uh, one example, you can see that like lots of time we see like on the internet that like sometimes we get like, you know, suggestion of something offensive, right? Which is not good. But there is some human which can come there and like, you know, see that, okay, this post, this thing, this thing is not good for you. And uh, we should like you know currently the the you know the situation is not going good and like you know things are very sensitive so we should filter this out. So those kind of uh, always like, those kind of uh, you know suggestions we need from those experts. So I, I feel like they, they 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 have their own place uh, in 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 in, in such systems.
0: You know that's a great way to put it, and I think um, the sanity check is, is always helpful, right? If somebody buys a book on Python. We probably don't. That doesn't mean we want to now suggest poisonous snakes of South America. Um, yeah. <laughs> similar but different, right? Um, and I like this idea that you have. You know, sort of um, a suggestion model. It's not just similarity. It's not just people also bought this, right? Someone who bought level two also bought level one. That doesn't mean that if I bought level two, I might want level one or another level two, so to speak. Um, is there a, you know, maybe on the technical side, is there something that you have found techniques that are Useful for maybe you know suggesting sort of a path and not just similar or you know things that happen at the same time. Is that, is that something that's shown up on the on the technical side, or is that um, maybe something you're still pursuing, or maybe any other thoughts you have on that?
1: Uh, sh- sure, definitely, and that, that's a very important question, because uh, uh, lots of time, like, uh, we, we see, like, uh, we start with this uh, suggestion model or recommendation model. The simple choice comes as, a, like, a metric factorization, like, where you have user item interaction metrics and where you generate an encoding. Now, this encoding is very important, That how you define this encoding. Uh, various people define uh, there are like different ways to define this encoding that how you want to define this relationship Uh, some people define this relationship with the rating of the user and you know like very few users actually rate the content like most of the user like they just you know they are too busy to rate content and sometimes rating also can have like lots of bias we we rate we we are very highly likely to rate something bad than rate something good if you like something you just okay i liked it but if you don't like something you know you'll go and like and say <laughs> and write a review that i don't like it so those kind of biases can come and uh, basically when we design some system these encodings play a really important role that how we want to like encode our de- our knowledge Uh, to the the system so we can define some kind of interaction between them. So we have like some user and we have some items, Uh, what information we are using to define the interaction between them. Uh, If we are just using like a a, a single variable called rating, then maybe it won't won't give you the best of the result because uh, there are like lots of biases are there. But if you want to like include like some more extra information, like, you know, you want to include the, like what review they have written. So suppose you have like some kind of, you know, text return is there. So you can like, you know, use some kind of, you know uh, word embedding to embed that information into that. Suppose you have like some kind of, you know uh, interaction going on on various bases that like, you know the amount of time you play some, some content or like, you know that, 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 that the time of the day you are watching that content and all this thing so the the, the more uh, refined information you give to your model and the better your encoding will be there the is a higher chances that your model will able to you know learn those patterns and uh, can give you a, a promising result so we have to really think about like how we define our encodings and we have to test this hypothesis that like if we are defining per, per some encodings they are actually working in a real time you know, scenario or not. So those are the thing I think it's very important. And, and, and when these things get very complicated, like when you have like, you know, very complex, uh, you know, mapping coming from user and content side, then you need some kind of like, you know, complex model, like neural networks, which, get, which they have ability to learn this kind of complex relationship. Uh, using like all the like you know uh, uh, nonlinearity they possess. So uh, yeah, that that that's all depends like how well you. Uh, if I I say in a simple term, that how well you can you know capture that user behavior in those weights and biases in your neural network, and that is the only thing will matter. So yeah,
0: right, right. That makes a lot of sense, and it you know and i think it's it also sounds like um you know touches back on what you said earlier about um you know not immediately starting with all your features but building up those encodings um you know according to what's going to be feasible what's going to be easy to you know to test and rapid prototype and then getting into the the neural networks like once you can really justify it um something i'd like to touch back on just a little bit more um and you you'd spoke a little bit about this, but I'm I'm interested to hear more about it. What um you know sort of the measuring measuring success in that like rapid prototyping phase, right? How you can you know set the right metrics so that it like you said it's not just you know this is our F1 score or whatever it might be, but um you know this is the increase in clicks or when people are clicking, they're now spending more time on this piece of you know content. Um, maybe like what that process of, you know, choosing metrics or what that process of setting up that framework has looked like for you in the past.
1: Uh, sure. So so for the online, I think we have like one of the most popular technique available is A-B testing. And uh, if, 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 if you think A-B testing, A-B testing is something which is uh, so beautiful in its own context that like, you know, it helps us to, uh, you know, j- like a... F- so, so, so the the end goal of any A/B testing is to find leno you know, causality, like uh, whether, like you know, uh, you are like you know, whatever recommendation or suggestion you are you are you are you are giving to your user is changing their behavior or not, and that is like something very big thing to look into. That like we do not always predict what our user will be clicking. Sometimes we want to like you know change their behavior, and I'm just trying to say this thing like in a very like, you know, a simple way that like, you know, we want them to interact with our service. We want them to purchase our product and we want them to like, you know, look into that what the amazing things we have, like what the things we develop, what the things we are selling, what the services we are providing. So we want them to like actually explore that catalog. We want them to actually engage with that service. And for that, we have to we have to be very sure that like you know what the thing we are looking for. If we are a service-based, uh, you know, we are we are subscription-based service and we want them to be, you know, spend their time on the platform. That is the end goal we have. That is the only way they will, you know, renew their subscription, otherwise they will just cancel that out. If we are a product-based company, we want them to buy our product. That's why we get the profit. That's why we they will like you know come back again. That's why you know, they will like, you know, like our platform, like Amazon. (laughs) Uh, So uh, basically we want our users to change their existing behavior uh, to what in their and our best interest. And that is a mutual interest, right? We we want them to get, if they come to our service or platform, they are coming with some kind of expectation, right? And uh, uh, it's very important that we understand that what metrics we want to optimize. So, if we are correctly uh, if we are correctly optimizing the metrics, so if we are just you know looking for some wrong metrics, it happens all the time that you know you just you know looking for like you know uh, uh, like you know engagement, like you you are spend your users are spending your time. But if you are not actually optimizing unique visitors, there are only five uh, five hundred you know your customers, only they are spending time. Your business metrics is not going up. They are just they are only five hundred and they are just you know if they paid for the annual service they will be there for five for the entire year, so we have to uh, correctly measure that what uh, you know uh, we say key KPIs like key performance indicators we want to optimize for that particular thing that like if we want to increase the number of unique visitor on our like you know site or if we want to like you know sell our product to like you know. Uh, uh, more number of people and like you know we want to increase our like customer base or something like that. Those things has to be taken care of when we you know do like you know our experimentation design and when we want to like you know design our models also that this is the particular metrics we are looking for, and that will be make impact to our business to our business metrics. That will make an impact to so our shareholders. Will have like you know stakeholders. Will have like a some kind of confidence on our services, and th- that's how we are not going in a r- wrong direction. We are we are we are we are chasing a right goal. So those things are very important. They're, that that that's are very specific. They 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 depends on business to business and problem to problem. But identifying them, is a very challenging part.
0: Yeah, you know, I and it sounds like. Uh, And this is something I see all the time too, like what you're saying there, it's so situation dependent and you need to make sure you're tying, you know, to your business metrics and to the right ones. And that doesn't happen in a vacuum. So I would imagine that, you know, you just need that a lot of crosstalk, like all the constant conversations, getting people involved between your data scientists, your product managers, domain experts, whoever it may be. Um, so that you don't end up chasing the wrong you know thing up the wrong tree or down the wrong hole or i guess whatever the um whatever the saying might be um well everyone i'd you know i'd, I'd love to uh, to keep this going i think it seems like we could both talk all day about this um sure. but you know the the 30 part of ds30 is that we're supposed to stick with around 30 minutes so um sure. i think we're gonna have to wrap things up so um before we close out if there's any last maybe you know things you might want to add or I like to often, you know, wrap up with maybe any tips you would have for someone, you know, looking to get into, you know, data science as a data scientist or someone who works with them, maybe things to, you know, keep in mind or look for if they want to start exploring the topic of suggestion models. Sure, sure. Uh,
1: And 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 yeah yeah. So that's that's a really great question, and 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 that question haunted me when I was a data scientist. That what should I do to to you know like get my first opportunity? And uh, we have to agree that like getting a first job as a data scientist is extremely challenging because like there is the the space the the there are lots of things available in the market. So so first thing is like the job description. Sometimes they are like you know so extensive. Like people want. Sometimes people don't want what they want. They just write everything. Like you want Spark, SQL, and you have to have like the project management skill and you have to have like Java, Go, Python, every language on the earth, you should be there. And uh, they 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 don't know what they want from data scientists. They just want a data scientist on board. They have their data and you have to solve this problem without asking any questions. So that is not the good approach Sometimes, but, uh, if you really want to, like, you know, go into the data scientist uh, path, and if you want to, like, stick to that particular path, it's very important that you start with, like, you know, uh, some kind of your your after doing this all the academic projects and all this MNIST or like a different Titanic data set or like house prediction, spend some time uh, making something, some some project which is you know which is something you can say it's your own, like. Right? The problem you want to solve, uh, which uh, come from your your knowledge, come from your intuition. You spend your time on it. You spend on your time on like you know data collection process. You spend time your you know data processing process. You spend time on your you know creating model, and you spend time on right like, creating a report or justification uh, you know business case justification for it. And that's people avoid it a lot because end of the day, whatever you create, you have to justify that it will work. So. Try to spend some time to like, you know, uh, make it a habit that like, you know, after uh, completing your entire project, write a post on Medium, write a post on LinkedIn where it can reach to a wider audience, right? Uh, Write something which you want to show the world that like, okay, I found this particular problem. I, I, I managed to solve this problem. And I think that this problem can help some organization to solve their problem, because already in the lots of organization we have lots of problems, and we want to, we we want more people to come here and solve our problems, and they they have to have that kind of you know problem solving skill, which only comes after doing like lots of this like you know this this practices. So make a habit like whenever you complete any kind of this this project try to write us some kind of business justification or post or something documentation wise. So you can explain it, this too very simple term to anybody. So yeah, that 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 is one of the advice I
0: would like to give. Yeah, yeah I think that's great. I could not have said it better myself. Well, once yeah. again, Rohan, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's been great talking to you and uh, thanks again for your time.
1: Thank you, thank you so much, Michael.